Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Happy post-Thanksgiving, I guess, and happy pre-Christmas. I think that's, that's the way it goes. And so, um, good to see all of you. Hunter, is this yours? Your Bible? Okay. So, uh, how many of you had a good, a good Thanksgiving? A few of you? Good, good, good. All right, we did too. Um, it, was, uh, it was good. It was pretty low-key for us. Had the family over, played some games cooked too much food, ate too much food, all of those uh, traditions that we have, and so uh, thankful for that, thankful for that, and so uh, what a blessing it's been. I chatted with uh, Pastor Nick for a little while this morning, um, and so he is actually, he and Sarah over in Connecticut, and so they uh, wanted me to tell you that uh, they miss you, and they miss me too, I guess, I don't know, but they miss us. Uh, He didn't say me, actually, he didn't include me, so I don't know, I'll have to ask him about that, but um, they're looking forward to being back, but having a, having a great time. They had just finished um, gathering with the church out there in Connecticut um, when I chatted with him today, but he said it just started to snow, and I said, of course, because it's Connecticut, and there are probably several Hallmark movies being filmed at, like, at that moment, all with the same plot, you know, <laughs> the same characters, and so uh, I'm sure that was happening as we speak, so... But it's a blessing to be with you all today. I'm excited to jump into God's Word with you. And of course, we're, uh, we've been going through the book of Philippians and what, uh, what a, a blessing that has been. So I'm excited to pick that up a little bit here this morning. And we're going to be working through uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 11 this morning. And so what I'd like to do is uh, go ahead and read through the chapter. That's what we've been doing uh, for the last several several uh, times that we've gathered to work through Philippians. We've been reading the whole chapter, and then I would like to do that this morning. And so, uh, if you would, stand with me. Take your copy of God's Word, if you've got that. I'd love to to go, uh, have you go to Philippians chapter number three, and we're going to look at verse number one and read our way through the end, and then we'll focus on, on verses seven through 11 this morning. Let's read together. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also considered everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. 
Not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, the God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. What a fantastic, beautiful chapter. And so I'm looking forward to uh, working through several of these verses with you today. Let's pray together one more time and then we'll jump into it. God, thank you for your, for your grace. Thank you for your word. Lord, it is truth. And God, I recognize that I can bring nothing to the table today. It is only by your spirit that we are able to understand uh, the words that you have spoken. And so, God, by your spirit, would you illuminate your truth today? And God, I put no confidence in the flesh. Um, Lord, I've tried that. It just doesn't work. And so, God, I pray that today your spirit would speak. It's our only hope. And so, God, we, we confidently look to you today and trust that, that um, you will reveal to us um, Lord, your person and your work. And God, we'll trust you for that and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. I want to look this morning at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, several verses here. And we're going to look today at uh, three, as I was kind of working through these verses, it seemed to outline itself pretty simply um, with the gain the gift, and then the goal. And so those will be uh, the three things that we'll look at today. And right off the, right, right to start in verse number seven, we see that Paul is saying, but everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. And this verse comes right after verse six, or verses five and six, where he's talking about, uh, he's talking about all of the uh, accomplishments that he has made as a human being. Right, as, a, as a religious person, he's saying, hey, if you think you have some things to boast in, I've got more. Right? He said, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's like, I, I was born into this, uh, you know, this chosen uh, people of God. And he said, I was a perfect Pharisee. I was blameless. I kept all the law. I did all these things. I, he said, I was, I was zealous. I persecuted the church. You know, I was, um, was top notch when it comes to man's righteousness and when it comes to keeping the law and then he comes into verse seven and he says but everything that was gained to me i've considered to be a loss because of christ now guys probably most of us are not today boasting about our jewish ancestry uh we're not um you know we're not we're not taking pride in our pharisaical heritage and our flawless adherence to the law 
you know, that's probably not what we're boasting in today, but we find plenty of things to boast in, don't we? We find plenty of things to claim as gains. In fact, really, if you think about it, we live in a society that is um, really infatuated with gains, right? Gains in the gym, you know, there's, you can see that I've been doing that. I'm trying to back off a little bit, but uh, gains in uh, the stock market, you know, gains in our careers. Um, I'm really great at the stock market. Any cryptocurrency traders out there? Oh, just me and nobody? Oh. <laughs> okay, me, Ryan. Yes, I successfully turned 7,000 into 1,000. So if you need any tips, if you need any tips, come see me. So I didn't put 7,000 in, but I started, like I'm back to where I started. So it went like this, and then it went like this because of my trading prowess. So um, any case, I'm going to ride something to the moon, but I don't think it's going to be cryptocurrency. I think it's going to be Jesus, and so thankful for that. Um, but gains, guys, uh, this world is infatuated with gains. I mean, all you got to do is, is, uh, is look around. You know, we're talking about the gains, you know, hashtag gains. <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, we want to get better, want to improve our lives. And yet we see that uh, we really have nothing to boast in, just like Paul had nothing to boast in. Paul declares that every single one of his earthly gains totaled up to zero. Not just zero, but actually a negative. He said they're a loss, right? It's not just that his gains were, um, you know, they were cool, but they didn't quite hit the mark. No, he said that, he said, I've counted everything as a loss. These are, th- this is a loss. It's a negative to me. Uh, author Kent Hughes said Paul's former accomplishments became abhorrent to him, not because they were bad, but because they kept him from Christ. And that rings true to us as well. They were a distraction from what really mattered. He said, all these gains I have, all this education I received in the law and all, this, all of this, um, uh, this flawless behavior that I engaged in and all these amazing things that I did as a righteous man, he says, they're, they're a loss. I've simply chalked them up as a loss. Look at verse 8. He says, more than that, I also considered everything to be a loss. Why? In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing value, the surpassing worth. Now think about that word surpassing. Uh, Looked at that a little bit. I I thought I knew what it meant, and I was pretty much right, but if you break that down, you know, S-U-R, sir, just means above, and pass, this is deep, guys, simply means pass. So you got that, the today. So pass above. Basically, he's saying the value and the worth of Christ passes far above. It exceeds everything that I have gained in this life. And he says, so when I compared the surpassing value of Christ with my gains in this world, it was no, there was no comparison really. And so that surpassing value of Christ, it rendered my good works and it rendered my accomplishments as a negative. And so he declares that everything is a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And guys, think about the Apostle Paul. That, that Damascus road changed him, didn't it? It changed him. Uh, he was on that Damascus road. Uh, he, was, he was going to persecute more Christians, right? He was throwing them in jail. He was killing them. He was separating families. He was being a zealous Pharisee, and God stopped him in his tracks. Remember, if you remember that story, God knocked him off the, 
uh, knocked him off the horse or the mule that he was riding and blinded him and spoke to him and said, Paul, it's me who you're persecuting. And God would, God set him on uh, a path to be used in an incredible way throughout the time in which he lived. And so that, that day on the Damascus Road, Paul was changed forever. And he said that uh, what he's saying here in this passage is he's saying, when I caught a glimpse of who Jesus really was, everything else faded to insignificance. And guys, that's the way that it is in our lives. When we truly get a glimpse of who Jesus is, it changes everything for us. Because we see, we're able to compare all that this world has and we're compare, when we compare that to all that Christ has and all that he has gifted to us, and there's just no comparison. And so the Apostle Paul said, I count it as a loss. And guys, we can say the same today. All the gains that we may have in this world, they really mean nothing in comparison to the surpassing value of Jesus Christ. The glory of God really became Paul's only gain, right? It became his only gain, his only goal. And that's the same with us. So this is the one place in Scripture we see here in in verse number 8 where Paul refers to Christ as my Lord. Christ Jesus, my Lord, he says. This was very personal to Paul. It was very personal. And we see that that, uh, Christ, Christ had become... Uh, not just not just a uh, you know not just a deity in the sky that, that had given him law to obey and to learn and to adhere to, but God, through His Son Jesus, became a personal a personal part of Paul's life, became everything to Paul. I think of a, a Romans chapter eleven and verse uh, thirty six, where Paul speaks again. Uh, of this, of this truth, and he says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. From him, through him, and to him. Think about that, guys. Um, all things from him, through him, and back to him. And I, 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 when I think about that verse, I think of, uh, I think of, this question, do we, do we have, uh, do we see our God as an all things God? As an all things God. In other words, he's not just part of our lives, he actually is our life. He's not just, uh, he's not just uh, someone that is in our life to improve it or make it better or somehow make it a little cleaner. No, he, he's all that we have. He, he is our whole life. He, he's the encompassing uh, the encompassing purpose of our lives. And that's what Paul recognized. And this was a very personal thing for Paul. Christ Jesus, my Lord, he said. Paul knew that all things God. And guys, I hope that we know him today. That we, that we recognize him as an all things, an all-encompassing God in our life. After seeing Christ in his beauty, Paul, Paul just decided that his accomplishments were losses. They were garbage. They were dung. And he found his glory only in the cross of Jesus Christ. The worth of Christ was just simply surpassing above all. And that's what Paul recognized. And that's, a, that's what I want us to make sure when we read this scripture today that we understand how, how, how uh, the, the value of Christ in comparison 
to any gains that we may see in this world, they mean nothing in comparison to Jesus Christ. And so we see, first of all, the gain. Let's look at verse 9. And I want to see the gift here. He says uh, in verse 9, And be found in him. Everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He considers them all as dung that he may, be, may gain Christ and be found in him. And be found in him. I was thinking when I was reading through this verse, guys, I was thinking that, you know, there's kind of this, in, in the world today, there's this, um, I don't know if it's a mantra or just this, um, this is the desire for people to find themselves. Well, you just got to find yourself, brother. You know, um, you got you to go out and find yourself. Uh, I don't know, climb a Himalayan mountain and, you know, have some sort of encounter with something and just figure out who you are, right? Find yourself uh, because you're lost. And, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, Paul says here, I, I want to be found in him. You see, Paul found himself, but it wasn't pretty when he found himself. He found himself, and he, he found himself uh, at, the, at the height of, of, uh, of obedience to the law, and he found himself at the height of man-made righteousness as a result, and he found himself empty. And so he declares here, he says, I want to be found in him. I want to be found in him. And guys, that is what we need this morning, to be found in him. When we find ourselves outside of Christ, we find disappointment every time. We all need finding, but our only hope is to be found in him, to be found in Jesus. He continues in verse 9, uh, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. Guys, what is that righteousness of my own? Well, it's self-righteousness, right? He's like, not, not having a righteousness of my own that's from the law. See, that's what the law was able to give him was self-righteousness. The only thing the law can provide us is self-righteousness and failure, right? Self-righteousness when we're able to keep it, and then condemnation when we're, able, when we're not able to keep it. And it's usually the law is some sort of a mix of those two things, right? It's either, it's either being uh, boasting in it because we've kept it, or just being completely humiliated and, and uh, you know, depressed because we haven't been able to keep it. The law typically will produce one of those results or a combination of those two. And Paul found himself, Paul found himself um, as a failure, as a success in his own eyes with his own self-righteousness, but it did not provide him the satisfaction that he looked for. He says, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, verse 9, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. You see, we, we need righteousness, but it's not our own. We need Christ's righteousness. And that's what Paul finds here. And that is what Christ offers to us. You see, there's a great exchange. My wretchedness for his righteousness. My complete failure for his complete victory. And that is the gift that we find in Jesus. It's, it's not simply Christ taking the penalty for my sin, but it's also my life being credited with the very achievements of Jesus. Think about that, guys. It's not just that God takes the, the sin that I've committed and he nullifies it. He, well, 
which he does do that. He paid for it on the cross. But God takes all of the achievements, the righteousness, the goodness of Jesus Christ, and he places that on our account. That's the great exchange. It's not just that my sins are forgiven, but the, right, the very righteousness of Jesus is imputed to my account. I am become a joint heir with Jesus, it says in Romans 8. A joint heir with him. In other words, everything that God has given to his own son, he's also given to me. And that's a lot. And that righteousness is from God based on faith, what Paul says. One that is through faith in Christ. And if you look at this a little closer, um, I, like, I love how the, the King James Version renders this, but one that is through the faith of Christ. It's really Christ's faithfulness. It's Christ's faithfulness that supplies that righteousness, right? It's not our own belief, but it is Christ's righteousness. It's not simply, um, oh, it's rather it, th- that righteousness is initiated by the faithfulness of Christ. And it's appropriated and experienced through dependence on Christ's faithfulness. So that faithfulness, uh, that it is the faithfulness of Christ. It was, it was Christ's faithfulness to his Father that created that righteousness. And it is, our, it is our faith in his faithfulness that applies it to our life. When we cry to him and say, God, I see that my righteousness can, can do nothing. It is, it, it's filthy. It's... It, it's, it's good in the world's eyes, but it's self-righteousness, and it equals a negative, and I need your righteousness. And he places that on our account, and he defines us, he redefines us with the righteousness of his son. It's a gift. It's our only hope, and the only thing we can glory in. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 4, uh, Paul says here in another place, He says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So the law for righteousness ended with Christ. In the Old Testament, that law was was the, it was the, uh, it was Israel's attempt at righteousness. And we see how that turned out. It wasn't good. Christ came on the scene and he He took that law and brought it to an end for righteousness. Now, he didn't end the law. The law is still there, right? The law is still, the law is the law it will forever be. But it can no longer, it is no longer our avenue to righteousness because Christ, Christ fulfilled it and he gifted us his righteousness apart from the law. And that is what we have to hope in and to glory in. So, we see the gain, and we see the gift, the gift of righteousness. Let's look at the goal in verse number 10. Philippians 3, verse number 10. He says, my goal is to know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, church, uh, Paul's writing this 30 years after the Damascus Road. He's been on this Christian journey a long time, 30 years. He's had a lot of experiences. I mean, as you uh, you read through the New Testament account of Paul and his travels and his journeys, I mean, he's been beaten for Christ. 
he's been, um, he's been shipwrecked. You know, there's passages where he goes through all the things that have happened in his life. And so he, he's been a believer for a long time. He's experienced God in a personal way. And yet, we come down here 30 years later after his conversion on that road to Damascus, and he still says, my goal is to know him. After 30 years, he's saying, my, my goal is still to know him. Guys, some would argue that Paul was the greatest Christian who ever lived. But Paul wouldn't argue that. I don't think he would. Paul knew this. He knew that there's no such thing as great Christians. There's only a great Christ and those who experience him in a great way. Think about that. Uh, you know, to say, oh, that he's a great Christian, well, it, it's not him, right? He, he has nothing. The, the, whatever gains are in his life are, are, are negative. He, he has Christ to glory in, and that's all. And that's what Paul's telling us here in Philippians 3. And so he says after 30 years in Christ, he's saying that his singular goal is still to know him. It's to know him. And friends, that is our goal today. It's to know Christ. And we'll spend the rest of our lives uh, getting to know Jesus Christ. Because that's a deep well that doesn't have any floor. It's a well that just keeps, it keeps going and going. Uh, we, we, we're unable to know Christ uh, fully until someday our, our bodies are glorified and we're together with him face to face. But, but this, this journey of the Christian life, as Paul declared, my goal is to know him. And guys, that, that must be our goal too. To know Jesus Christ. To know him. Knowing Christ is an ongoing pursuit. It's only fully realized in eternity. And I love this, I love the rest of verse 10 here. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Guys, this is God's power, the life-giving power that he deployed in raising Christ from the dead. Um, it's the power that God uses to create new life for a believer that shared life with Christ himself. Resurrection power. Guys, aren't you, aren't, aren't you glad that, that Christ has resurrection power? Because there's a lot of dead stuff that needs to be resurrected. And that resurrection power is what God deployed to raise his son from the dead, and it's what he deploys to raise us from the dead, and, to, and to, uh, it, it's what he deploys to give us that new life each and every day. You see, a resurrection power is the only hope for humanity. Because uh, humanity is not just sick and in need of medicine. We're not uh, halfway there and we just kind of need a nudge from God to get over the finish line. That's not humanity's problem. We're not halfway there and, uh, you know, just, just need a little more help. We're not doing okay but in need of some wisdom to improve our lives. That's not a problem. We're not wandering in need of some direction. No, guys, we're dead. We are dead and we have nothing. We bring nothing to the table. We bring nothing to the relationship. We don't do our part and meet God halfway. We are dead and dead people can do nothing but remain dead. Right? You see, if, if we were just in need of a little bit of help, well, we could probably find help some other way. If we were in need of just a little more wisdom, well, we could probably conjure that up from somewhere. But no, we're dead, guys. We, we've got nothing. We were dead when God came to us. We were dead. We need resurrection power. 
I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. We were dead. Now, guys, why is, that so, why is it so important to understand that? You know, why is it important to make that distinction that, we weren't, that we're not just sick and need a little healing? Well, to say that I'm sick and need a little healing implies that there's something in me, you know, that, that there, there's goodness in me that just needs a little plus one, right? Or there, there's just that I'm, I'm somehow that I bring, I bring value to this relationship with Christ and I just need... Uh, I just need a little more, you know, I just, I just need him to flip me a coin so I can get over. But, but that's, not, that's not the way that it is. We bring nothing. And, and we, bring, we bring nothing to the relationship. We bring nothing of, of value to Christ. The only way that we can come to him is with our hands open and saying, God, I have nothing. I'm dead. I'm dead. And, and, and only he can create the life in us that we so desperately need. And so guys, I have a question for you today. Have you experienced God's resurrection power? Have you experienced that for salvation? Have you recognized that without Christ, you have nothing, and that your only hope for new life, your only hope for heaven, for eternity, is Jesus Christ? Have you recognized that? Have you, if you have recognized that and you have experienced God's resurrection power for salvation, are you experiencing it for everyday living? See, that, that resurrection power is not something we just take uh, once and never experience again. No, it's something that he supplies to us each and every day. That resurrection power, that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's saying, I want to know him. I want to know his resurrection power. Now, Paul had experienced that for the first time on the Damascus Road, and he was justified in that moment. He was, uh, he was set apart. He was saved. But he's saying here 30 years later, I still need that resurrection power. I need it each and every day. I need it, uh, I need it today when I go to minister to these churches. When, I write, when, I'm, when I'm writing this letter to this church, I need that resurrection power. I need God to breathe in me his life today. And guys, that's what we need as believers each and every day. It's our only hope. The resurrection power that God gives. Have you experienced that for salvation? Are you experiencing it for everyday living? So many times, guys, we allow dead things to creep back into our lives, right? Um, things in this world, that those, those elusive gains, we allow them to creep back in. And they start to erode the preeminence that Christ should have in our life. And we need God's resurrection power to vanquish those dead things. Let's look at verse 11, and we'll wrap this up this morning. Paul says, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And I think we read that, and we're like, oh, is Paul uncertain that, you know, he's like, oh, somehow I'm going to reach the resurrection. You know, somehow, hopefully, it's going to happen. Was he uncertain that he was going to be part of that final resurrection? Well, no, he wasn't uncertain of the fact. When he says here, you know, assuming that I will somehow reach the, resur- somehow reach the resurrection of the dead, uh, he's saying, 
Whether my dead body is called from the grave or whether my living body is raptured up, I'm going. Right? He's saying, he's saying that uh, somehow, I don't know exactly which mode it's going to be, whether I die first and my body comes out of the grave or whether I'm still alive when Christ returns. I don't know exactly how it's going to be, but I have, I have the trust that God is going to take me and resurrect me and in, in that, final, that final moment when my faith becomes sight, and I'm going, uh, from among the dead, I'm going to rise because he has breathed in me new life. He knew he was going, and he knew that he would be with Christ for eternity. So guys, in conclusion, I, wanna, uh, I just want to review here and ask a few questions just so we can take away with us this morning. Have you recognized the surpassing value of Christ? his surpassing worth, far above all things. He's our only gain. Guys, he's our only gain. Now, um, I think I was chatting with Stephanie about this a little earlier this morning. Uh, I think she brought it up, but just the, uh, the idea of, um, you know, does that mean that, that nothing, that we should just kind of, you know, be passive on this earth and, you know, not take care of our bodies and, you know, not worry about, um, you know, being wise with the resources that God has given us and just be passive people. It doesn't mean that. Um, Christ is, uh, he, he's given us all things. He has made us stewards of, our, of these bodies, these, these uh, fleshly bodies that we have. He's made us stewards of resources. We're to use wisdom. There's no doubt about that. But what Paul is telling us here and what, um, what we clearly see throughout the New Testament is that our hope and our trust and our worth and our value is in none of those things, but it's in Christ alone. And that is what he's saying here. He is our only gain because all that other stuff's going to burn up, you know? All that other stuff's going to go away and only Christ will remain. Have you received God's gift of righteousness through Jesus? That's the second question this morning. Have you recognized the surpassing worth of Christ? He's our only gain. Have you received God's gift of righteousness through Jesus? He is our ultimate gift. And then do you have a desire to know him? He is our solitary goal. He's our solitary goal. So that's the gain and the gift and the goal. The goal is that I may know him. And guys, there's nothing greater that we can uh, that we can set as our goal, that I may know him. How do you do that? I mean, how do you know Jesus? Well, that's, real, that's really what the Christian life is. That's what, that's what it's about. That's the Christian life. Uh, th- that's why we, um, that is why we, we read his word. That is why we walk with God. That is, why we, uh, that is why we commune with him in prayer. That's why we gather together, right, corporately as a group of believers. That's why we have uh, small groups that we get, we get it, uh, into in, in a circle and we we talk about what God's doing in our lives and, and we bear one another's burdens and we, um, we share with one another the things that we're struggling with and all of that is part of the church which, is, which has the ultimate goal of knowing Christ, of knowing him. You know, we don't just do these things because they're re- good religious things to do. We do these things that we might know Christ. That is our ultimate goal. And so, guys, do you have a desire to know him? It's really all that matters. 
Um, I find my life being entangled so often with things that ultimately don't matter. And, and, and I'll have to sit back and say, man, what, what am I doing, right? What, what is this? <laughs> Why have I allowed this to take such a prominent place in my life? Why does this matter so much to me? It matters so little. It matters so little in, in light of knowing Christ. And so guys, I would, I would just encourage you this morning to renew that goal of knowing Jesus. It's what matters. In fact, I think that we're, we're going to close out here just in a minute with a song, Knowing You. And as we sing that together, um, I would love to have each one of us um, each one of us ask God to just renew that passion in our heart, in our mind, the passion for that goal, for knowing him. And whatever it is that we do day in and day out, um, you know, we're on this planet, we're, we're in these earth suits, and we're, uh, you know, we're functioning uh, as human beings. We're living in a broken world. Um, but we're, <laughs> we are indwelled with the Spirit of God as believers. If we're believers... We have Jesus, his resurrection power living inside us. So let's experience that on a daily basis. And let's, uh, let, let, us, um, let us yield ourselves, yield these bodies to him that we might experience the new life that he purchased for us. And so that's our, uh, that is our goal, knowing him this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. God, you have given us new life. Lord, you have made new life available for all. And God, there may be someone here this morning who, Lord, has never experienced that resurrection power. And God, maybe they've searched high and low for meaning in life, and they've tried this and that, this relationship, that relationship. Um, this endeavor, that endeavor. Maybe they've had some goals on this, in this life and they've reached them or maybe they've failed to reach them but they've failed to find ultimate fulfillment. And God, perhaps there's someone here this morning who recognizes their need for something greater, something that surpasses all that this world has to offer. If that's you this morning, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is, is the one that you're looking for. He's the one you're seeking. And his righteousness is, is what you desperately need. And we'd love nothing more than for you to know him today. For you to believe that you're a sinner, but that Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sin, and that was death on a cross. And that you're dead in your sins and that you're in desperate need of resurrection power. And if you would invite Jesus and ask him to forgive your sin today and give you new life, he's promised that he will. And for those of us that are, are believers here already this morning, we need Christ's resurrection power on a daily basis to overcome the death that wants to creep its way back into our lives. So may we yield ourselves to him May he be our goal each and every day. Thank you, Jesus.